Ah, you should be able to hear me. I believe that machine is working. Hmm. Well, it would be working if I hadn't just choked myself on water. Well, that's a way to start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Rail Natter, etc. Um, oh, why has this gone weird? How strange. YouTube's gone a bit weird. Right. Let's tweet that. A really good start that I've managed to choke on something there. Oh, golly. Cripes. Anyway, um, I'm going to say uh, we let everyone know we're live. Uh, retweet that. Lovely. Oh, there we go. What a what a kickoff. Yeah, I don't think I've half choked myself. Um, uh, half choked myself before the start of an episode, but there we go. Um, marvelous machine working, choking on water. Everyone's here. It's rail answer. It's what you've come to expect. Um, that that that's the cold open, folks. <laughs> As the Intercity 225 fades away, we bring with, bring ourselves a little bit of optimism and, indeed, my miniaturised face. Hello, everyone. I'm here. Oh, we, I've closed the blinds because, um, well, I have. Uh, and it means it's a bit dingy in here. It's a bit like it's late at night. But it's actually so many degrees outside. I think it's like 32 degrees. I mean, you could argue it's gorgeous. But also, the Overton window has moved so much that... Uh, People are kind of quite relaxed about the fact that we are. It's thirty-two degrees outside, and uh, there's so much going wrong at the moment. We're going to give ourselves a week to let the dust settle. Next week's going to be a news episode, as I'll tell you later. But for now, we're going to be talking about. Uh, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about. Well, this this little. Well, it's it's very small on screen, isn't it? But uh, if I if I go in here and 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 get my pointer out, you see, there's this this dotted line here and also the fact that the, the east there's, there's this lie here which is a suggestion that that's going to exist and also this lack of a high-speed rail line there and also the lack of a goldborn link here hmm why is all this happening i wonder well why indeed uh the integrated rail plan of course and if you remember i was moaning about the integrated rail plan um at the start of this year this this my beardy face i'm looking a bit beardy again i need to trim my beard off so that i return the mustache to become mustache guy but anyway 9th of march i was in the transport select committee uh providing evidence uh i also kind of submitted an evidence pack and and, and all this stuff and all of that good stuff along with other people's inputs into the report provided this the integrated rail plan for the north and the midlands House of Commons Transport Select Committee inquiry report, and they've published it. That's what they've done. Um, before, hello everyone. Everyone's here. We're, 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 everyone who's here, hello. Um, do chuck. It's a depressing map. Yes, I agree. Uh, I agree, Michael C. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, lots of lots of uh, sad people in the chat. Um, uh, why is that doing? Oh, I see. I've, I've just stream. What's going on? Why is this doing this? Uh, sorry, my chat. My chat is being a bit weird. Uh, fine, it all seems happy. YouTube have changed 
they've changed, they, they appear to have changed the, oh anyway, it's fine, I'm going to refresh it, because that'll work, it always works, and then, um, uh, there we go, good, lovely, uh, live chat, that seems to be working now, marvellous, good, good. hopefully the, the stream won't break, anyway, the LRP report, uh, first of all though, the Transport Select Committee, what is it? Well, um, it's, it's this lot, it's, it's a group of, um, uh, of MPs, it used to be uh, it was chaired until uh, the last general election by Lillian Greenwood. Now chair, uh, the chair is held by uh, Hugh Merriman, um, and there's it's I think there are ten. So it's uh, Hugh and then ten others, um, and it's a, a mix, a kind of a a mix, a representative mix of MPs. So you've got, uh, you know, you've got. Um, uh, Gavin Newland's up here in, in Glasgow, or rather in Paisley, for, for the SNP. And then you've got, uh, this will be Graham probably, isn't it? Uh, that'll be Graham. Uh, and then you've got a mixture kind of, so, so you've got uh, sort of everyone else. There's, there's a bit of representation. There's, there's some Manchester-ish representation. Um, and then there's some, some, some kind of London-ish representation. Some, well, that, that'll be Greg Smith, I'd imagine. Where is he? Yep, that's Greg Smith. Uh, and then you've got the southwest with a bit of representation, and a bit in the southeast. So uh, okay, nothing. Large emissions in Wales, and also uh, most, most of Scotland. But there's a bit of Scottish representation. But anyway, uh, yeah, Wales. Uh, admittedly, Anglesey is also missing from my little uh, SVG. So uh, you know, uh, shout at me. I think it's the same SVG that I was using in a recent stream uh, that misses Anglesey. Sorry, Gareth Williams. Anyway, I digress. That's the makeup of the TSC, and I have this in front of me in my little pack. In fact, I can show you my little pack here. Here is my little. Here's my little pack that I had printed out in front of me, uh, which I believe is still... Where is it? Yeah, it's still here. Here's my pack printed in front of me. Uh, yeah, there, there it is. There, 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 there's, there's, there's the pack, as I had in front of me. Uh, and I had it there so that I could make sure... I, firstly, I had it out in front of me, so it was quite obvious that I'd done my research. But, uh, yeah, you can see I've got the... There, there it is. This is the, the official one, and I've got my scribbles on it as well. So lots of bits of scribbles from other people. Like, for example, Andy Street had it input before I did. Uh, so I was making all these notes, lovely. Um, uh, and I used those in, in, to provide my evidence. And anyway, enough about me. It's not about me. Um, it's about uh, it's about the report. It's about the RIP report. And we're going to get straight into it. We're not going to faff around, yeah, there's no Isle of Wight either. Basically, this is just the main lump of... It's the main... The, the, the contiguous island of Great Britain. Um, let's do it. Let's get into it. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna do, it's a traditional rail narrow page turn, folks. We're gonna do this thing. Uh, I was trying to work out whether to put lounge music on in the background while we went through, but no, we'll we'll, we'll stick with just um, we'll stick with going through the port page, page by page, which is precisely what we're gonna do. I do need to switch my mouse on so that you can see uh, what I'm up to because that's there are capture cursor, so you can now you can see my mouse and now you can sort of see what I'm pointing at. Oh, so. Uh, here it is. Uh, for anyone who's not been through a, a, a kind of a, a TSC report, the TSC is the Transport Select Committee. I'll use that acronym through, throughout the, uh, this, this sort of episode. Um, it's the second report of their 2022-23 session. So it kind of works in that they pursue small inquiries uh, and then they then publish reports based on those. And those uh, and the reports are part of their overall sessions. Um, uh, and, and it includes minutes. And it's all kind of very nice and formal and, and, and captures lots of stuff so you can see everyone here collected up uh, all those members here and then i think the link takes you to their um yeah their, their contact page so that's very good nice nice linky pdf which is good for accessibility marvelous um uh, or bad for accessibility depending on uh, what type of screen reader you're using anyway uh, also a uh, big shout out to the committee staff uh it's worth saying that all of the sort of supporting staff 
Um, uh, Wafia particularly, who's uh, down as a second clerk, but was was very helpful. Mandy, um, and who else did I speak to? I think I spoke to Alexandra as well, um, and uh, possibly, yeah, I certainly spoke to, I think I then spoke to Judith and, and Jonathan as well. Um, uh, at other points. So, so thanks to all the clerks because they're they're the kind of ones who make the transport select committee happen. They get people where they need to go. They um, come up with people to actually speak. So they, you know, the clerks were, were, would have been instrumental in me getting in front. So I'm very glad they did. And funnily enough, it's good that I was in because um, the report refers to me specifically in my evidence quite frequently. Um, it's the main mainland, thank you. Uh, JBP, integrated rail plan, more like integrated rail plan. Ah, I go with the rail betrayal, hashtag rail betrayal is what I would generally refer to it as. It's the rail betrayal. But anyway, um, marvellous. So there we go. Uh, there's also, yeah, there we go. The powers of the committee are set out in the House of Commons standing orders. They don't have much power, frankly. They, they can create useful reports, and it's good to have the report because you can flack people over the head with it. But um, they don't have a huge amount of power, TSCs. Um, Anyway, so the report is here. So there's a bit of a summary of the. Of the you know, they they, they summarise the, their overall kind of themes of this of this report. They they introduce the overall th- uh, kind of what it all is, including the Goldborn link. Uh, they they add that they added that, which is separate to the IRP, by the way. That cut was entirely Boris trying to save his skin. Um, uh, having a look at outcomes, so considering various sort of aspects of of measuring the value of, of projects. So they look at benefit cost ratios. They look at leveling up. Stupid though that, that that is, but they do, um, given that there's an entire government department named it now, you can't ignore it. Bradford under the IRP, so they're looking at Bradford specifically, and then looking at Eastern Lake to Leeds. So they're kind of having a look at the outcomes. They'll have a look at stations and cities, so they kind of then look at Leeds, Bradford, Manchester, and, and Birmingham. There's a bit of an omission, to, to my mind, of, of the East Midlands here. Um, it, it's a shame that there wasn't more focus on the impact of the omission of, of Toten. Uh, but there we go. Realising the benefits. So then it's looking at uh, how to actually deliver the IRP. So, you know, delivering it to time and budget, um, looking at the journey time improvements, looking at seat capacity, uh, track capacity and reliability, capacity for rail freight and overall disruption. And then some conclusions, recommendations, and then the minutes, uh, the witnesses, the detail of the witnesses, um, the published written evidence, and uh, and then some other stuff, the, the reports that they've also been publishing. So the other things they've been looking at, um, quite a few things. They're, they're currently doing a driverless car um, inquiry, so feel free to go in and dump your brains on, on how much uh, they are awful. Anyway, uh, what time span are we going for, uh, for tonight? I'm going to try and do it within an hour. I, I, this isn't going to drag, I'm hoping this isn't drag on, but then, you know, famous last words. So we're not going to go through the summary, um, particularly because I've got my own summary at the end. So, so this kind of just, you know, it's, it's nicely summarizes what's proposed. Very nice. So let's uh, let, let's crack into the, the, the kind of the body of the report. So the introduction. I'll do, for, for those not familiar with page turns, I do uh, quote voice when I'm, I realise this increasingly, I do quote voice when I'm reading from it. I read quickly, uh, so I speak quickly and with a strange tone when I'm reading from the from the actual report itself. But basically, it just does a quick summary. It reminds us that the, the, that the IRP, the Integrated Road Plan for the North and the Midlands, was published uh, on the 18th of November 2021. Sad and also a very busy day uh, for me. Uh, so it sets out all the stuff that the IRP is fine. So the so the, the things that they, the kind of the stuff that when the, these the way these reports work, they when they want to do a, a collective chant voice of everyone in the IR, of everyone in the, the, the select committee, they they do a paragraph in bold. So they like want to summarise a particular little bit. So for example, they're saying we welcome the scale of the government's promised spending on improved 
uh, improving rail in the north and the midlands 96 billion is a very substantial sum it has the potential to transform rail travel for future for future generations and make a significant contribution to leveling up the, the country fine okay but they go on Nonetheless, there is still a need for prioritisation and hard choices, and the proposals set out in the Integrated Rail Plan have already left some towns and cities very disappointed. It is crucial that the government bases its decisions on how to spend this investment on the fullest possible evidence for what will bring the greatest overall benefit to rail services, to the economy, to the environment, and to communities across the North and Midlands. So there we go. So there's a bit of a caveat there on the money being spent, which is uh, absolutely fair enough. Um, so... Uh, the inquiry, they, they kind of summarised the inquiry. They opened the inquiry pretty rapidly. They opened it in December 21. That they felt that clearly, given the, the response to the IRP, that it was something that needed uh, interrogating, which is absolutely right. Um, so, yeah, they received more than 100 submissions of written evidence. Uh, heard in person from witnesses, including um, Transport for the North, rail experts. I think that's me. Hello. Uh, mayors of the West Midlands, West Yorkshire and Greater Manchester, Network Rail uh, and the National Infrastructure Commission. Um, as part of our programme of regular updates on HS2, we travelled to Leeds to hear from the West Yorkshire Combined Authority and HS2 Limited CEO Mark Thurston and to meet local business leaders. We also visited Bradford and Manchester. We were grateful to all those who contributed to our inquiry. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, so, a bit of background to, to, to HS2 and the IRP, which we can skip, folks, because everyone watching this knows what the deal is. And if you don't, go back to the HS2 episodes of Rail Matter, which were not, not that long ago. Um, I'm pretty sure I tagged them in as YHS2 as well. So they're not just... You might have noticed that Rail Matters are fairly well categorised now. I've got a sort of series of chapters that they fit under. Yeah, sort of, so you can group... They're grouped playlists that don't have all the episodes, but have most, the episodes that fit under those themes. So they should be easy to find. But if you search Gareth Ennis HS2, I'm pretty sure all the Rail Matter episodes will appear. Um, fine. Legislation has not yet been brought forward for the Phase 2B Eastern Leg. Under previous plans, this leg was planned to run from the West Midlands to an East Midlands hub station at Toton. Trains would then continue north um, via the Middle Mainland Spur, boo, uh, or continue on the new high-speed line to, to station at Leeds with a spur to the East Coast Mainline. Fine. Um, under the integrated rail plan, HS2 East will now run from the West Midlands to East Midlands Parkway, and there will be no new hub at Toton yet. Fine. We, we, know, we know what the IRP sacrificed. We, we understand that. Also, the Northern Powerhouse... Uh, rail uh, sort of project so transpennine high-speed rail uh the irp quotes the prime minister here which is nice i want to be the prime minister who does with Nor northern Pass rail what we did for cross rail in london r.i.p anyway so uh there he is lying to everyone in front of the whole group uh i want to see the whole thing run well not only are you not going to see the whole thing run in your own lifetime because you cancelled it but also you're not going to be anywhere near it when it starts happening because you know you're not going to be prime minister soon which will be nice Although everyone, just a reminder, Boris Johnson is still our Prime Minister, folks, just if you want depressing further. Anyway, they also say the Conservative Party Manifesto um, pledged to build it. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the Transport Select Committee, the kind of, remember, led by a Tory, kind of putting that stick in the knife in a little bit there, which is interesting. Uh, and so the, the kind of a key thing to look at is, is TFN's options for what they wanted Northern Powerhouse Rail to be. And they, there were three options. Option one, which was kind of a bit of a mix of... of, of of, of hybrid and, and a bit of a mix of, of existing and new infrastructure. Option two for mostly, sorry, for an entirely new build uh, line between Leeds and Manchester. Um, and option three included um, a new station at, um, uh, a new central station underground at Warrington and a new underground station um, near uh, Bradford Interchange, which was estimated at 36 billion. So, 22 billion, 31 billion, 36 billion for these options one, two, and three. Option two was selected as the as the preferred option, um, 
Yeah, fine, lovely, good. Um, although option one was considered to be the least costly, transport for the North suggested it may not maximise future economic growth. Yeah, fair enough, fine. Um, and then, then government, the fact that government, they announced that they were delivering, they, they'd selected option one, but the reality is that they were actually pulling back even from what option, option one included. Um, it's basically went for the cheapest option because that's what uh, Sir John Armit, a hugely disappointing individual, and the National Infrastructure Commission said. You know, I, I have to say, I, I gave evidence recently with Sir John Armit, and, and he was exactly as disappointing as I expected him to be. Just really isn't someone who should have a substantial amount of power. Um, uh, he's there because he's a stooge. Uh, and he, he's a, a yes person, and he very much believes in the ideology that the current government does, which is a bit bit sad, really. But uh, there we go. That's why he's where he is. Anyway, the Goldborn link. So um, this this is very interesting here. So this, the, the Goldborn link, as I say, separate to the IRP, but they've picked it up, uh, and and they they talk about the fact that um, yeah, they they quote other. Oh, there's a kind of a collective quote, and they say that it's disappointing that the the Goldborn link is being removed. Um, the fact that it was included in the integrated rail plan, but it was later removed, they find that very disappointing. And actually, what's interesting is what the, the, the TSC have said. So, whilst we recognise that the Goldborn link was not perfect and faced substantial local opposition, given its importance in terms of unlocking capacity for passengers and freight and reducing journey times to Scotland, we are concerned that it has been cancelled without an alternative being proposed. The Department for Transport should set out alternative plans which add similar capacity as a minimum by March 2023. So, there we go. Um, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's fairly that's stark terms for a transport select committee report, folks. That's that really is stark terms. So then we get option. So so section two, chapter two. Uh, we've kind of introduced the themes. Now we're going to dive in and have a look. So uh, we're going to. This is this is all about assessing the outcomes. So picking various government metrics and seeing how the IRP performs against them. So the first thing they do is is they pick up benefit cost ratios, um, and and we'll start by reminding ourselves what a benefit cost ratio is. While I drink some water and try not to faint because it's an un real temperature in here mm. so i'm not going to choke because i've remembered how to drink water it's very good anyway um a benefit cost ratio is a comparison between how much a project will cost and how much it is estimated to return in economic benefits per pound spent it is a key tool for evaluating whether infrastructure project will provide adequate value for money a bcr greater than one indicates that a project is expected to deliver a positive net present value if a project's benefit cost ratio is less than one, it is not expected to deliver a positive net present value. So there we go. I realize they've thrown in some jargon there with net present value. But if you want to know what net present value means, go back to our page turn of the uh, Network Rail Transport Decarbonisation Strategy, TDNS, the TDNS episode, uh, because we talk about net present value in there. Anyway, um, there's discussions. I mean, a benefit cost ratio is a useless way to measure the value of a big project like this. Um, it's worth pointing out. So... Um, here we are. So the the da, da, da. but they, the thing is, they point out that the of, of the BCRs, the strongest BCR was for the full Eastern Lake branch, which was between one point six and one point nine. Um, and while the strongest economic case related to the full Y-shaped network, the Eastern Lake has consistently been assessed as having a stronger case than the Western Lake, dating back to twenty ten, when a BCR of five point six was reported uh, by HS two Limited for the Leeds branch. This is compared to two point six for the Manchester branch. Um, HS 2s uh, HS2 Limited uh, Chief Executive Mark Thurston told us that the Department for Transport had not yet, as of February 22, calculated an updated BCR for HS2 without the Eastern Leg. The business case for the Eastern Leg is a standalone piece and it will not be modelled until we understand what the costs are. We have only just had a decision on the IRP, dot dot dot. Until we understand what we think the Eastern Leg will cost to build, we cannot feed that into the model that calculated the BCR. 
is is some weasel words given that they can they've done that for the you know for phase uh, 2b western leg they've done it for the western leg it's just a weasel word for saying we aren't going to calculate aren't going to calculate it because it will continue to make the case that the eastern leg should be built uh, noting that the Treasury has acknowledged some of the potential weaknesses in benefit-cost ratio methodology in its 2020 update to the uh, Green Book. Uh, that's the book that g- provides the guidance on appraising policy and projects. Uh, we have previously recommended that a benefit-cost-plus system should be adopted. We've argued that this could better capture the Im- impact of infrastructure projects on regional inequalities and environmental and social factors. All these factors must be fully taken into account when assessing the merits of the IRP's proposed changes to HS2 before irrevocable decisions are made. It's a little bit of a lead up to what they're saying. So, here's some. Uh, here's some. Oh, they also put. So they put bold when they're when they're talking with the collective voice. They put it in bold. But when they are putting it in, when they're making a recommendation, they put it in italics. So, let's just read this out and then pick through it. The failure to calculate an updated benefit cost ratio raises questions over whether the case for changes to the HS2 Eastern Lake have been properly assessed. Ouch. It is concerning that the government would make a decision on such an important infrastructure project before having done the BCR calculations to fully understand and substantiate that decision. This is particularly so given previous BCR calculations suggested that the economic case for the eastern leg was stronger than that for the western leg. To take account of the changes of plan for the HS2 Eastern Leg and to inform current and future decision making, the Department for Transport should publish by March 2023 an updated BCR for A the entire HS2 project, and B, the previous full proposals for the eastern leg of HS2 Phase 2B. The methodology used must fully reflect impacts on regional inequalities. Will we see that? No, we absolutely will not. But when March 2023 comes along, at least that's something we can hit government with. Um, The key thing to pick out of that section about BCRs is just the extent to which the eastern leg, the decision is political. There is no science behind this the government have done absolutely no analysis they have someone i.e andrew gilligan has gone at and and sunak potentially but certainly it's gilligan has has looked at them looked at the map and gone i don't like that bit that bit's going it's gone and done that to the eastern leg that's the science that's gone into this nothing more right that's critical um so that's the key thing to take away. And the fact that it's been cancelled is not a reflection of, of, of value for money. It's not a reflection of how best to spend the money. It's a reflection on what they think they can get away with cutting. That's It's, 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 it's that simple. Yeah. Right, let's dive into levelling up, which is a, a much more esoteric. But um, yeah, let's see. We'll start with a quote from Andy Burnham. Am I going to do an Andy Burnham impersonation? Oof, I haven't done a Burnham before. Anyway, let's have a look. The Mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, noted that the RRP's technical annex, a document intended to provide supporting evidence for the decisions made in the main plan, says that the levelling impact should be assessed through a description of potential impact of transport investment on the wider economy. I don't know why I've gone Yorkshire there. It's not Manchester, it's not Burnham, but I'm going to continue anyway. On page 10 it says, Given the early stage of development of the options under consideration, it has not been possible to fully assess their impacts on the wider economy. Let me put that into plain English. There has been no levelling up impact assessment of the IRP plan on the north of England. There we are. That's my Burnham. Um, but just to kind of to, so you're not getting distracted by the voice. The point is, it's on page 10 of that section of the technical annex. Given the early stage of development of the options under consideration, it has not been possible to fully assess their impacts on the wider economy. Why is the decision being made then? Don't make the decision! 
Don't make the decision. The decision cannot be made if you have not done the assessment. Just you can't make the decision. The RP should never have been published. You didn't make the decision. It should never have been chosen. You've axed it for political reasons. Oh, there we go. Uh, absolutely spot on from Bernard to pick that key point up because that everything hinges on that. TFN further argued that the absence of wide economic benefits uh, calls into question the decision-making within the IRP and whether government has considered the full value of the preferred NPR and HS2 network and has overstated the benefits of more limited upgrade solutions. There we go. Following the principles behind the changes to the Green Book in 2020, it is unclear how decisions affecting the future economic geography of the UK can have been taken. They're just... Spoiler alert, everyone. Absolutely no assessment has been made. They've just decided they don't want to deliver any of it and they've picked the easiest bits they can chop. That's what's happening, everyone. That is what is happening. Oh. Uh, anyway. The technical annex states that it was judged disproportionate to quantify and monetize all potential impacts at this stage. Then how can you cancel projects that are going to be there for 120 years? <laughs> it's just not. You can't do it. This stuff is going to be, you know, 10 years of analysis, more, 20 years of analysis to come up with the idea that we need to deliver this stuff. And it's been cancelled on a whim without any analysis. Of course the analysis is inadequate. It's what we've been saying the whole time. It's why the IRP is such a crock of shit. There is just a document where they've copied and pasted some bits from other press releases and then just pushed Andrew Gilligan's agenda, which is to slash everything to bits. That's the whole shtick. Oh, anyway. Um... It goes on to say that its assessment followed from the work that the National Infrastructure Commission has done, which also considered impacts on productivity and economic growth. Well, it didn't. As we know by looking at when we talked about that document, the Rail Needs Assessment Report, which is from a while back, is fundamentally flawed. It made several key errors in its analysis. Um, the Department of Transport's Director for HS2 Phase 2, Nick Bisson, confirmed that the government have not got to the Level 3 piece in quantitative terms, meaning that they have not done a full analysis of the wider economic benefits of the different options. That's a yikes from me. That is a yikes. Um, just just absolutely crazy. Yeah, absolutely wild. Really, really wild. Um, oof. So, um, yeah, I, it's just, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. So, a nice bold text here. Let's, let's read the whole of the, the TSC's um, uh, kind of uh, thoughts here. Without having completed a full analysis of the wider economic benefits, it is difficult to see how the government has fully assessed the levelling up agenda and the case for different NPR options. Leaving out these key elements of analysis means that the value for money and economic return cannot be compared and validated. That's pretty savage. The government's levelling up agenda commits it to ending geographical inequality in the UK. However, by underserving the rail needs of the north of England, it is letting down those who require change the most. Upgrading lines will undoubtedly bring modest benefits to rail services in the north and midlands, but not to the transformative extent necessary to end regional imbalances. The evidence base for the IRP must be reconsidered in light of these aims if this once-in-a-generation investment in rail is not to be a missed opportunity. This is the, the next paragraph I'm going to read, folks, is the crux of it, right? Paragraph 32 of the report. The government must remain open to the possibility that this thorough reassessment of the evidence base, taking full account of the impact on levelling up communities in the Northern Midlands, may show that options two or three for Northern Powers Rail represent the best potential value. If so, they must grasp that nettle. This is their words, by the way. 
Extra costs are not to be incurred lightly, but a significantly better outcome for our economy and communities is a worthwhile investment for generations into the future. Whoa, there we go. That's a, that's another big slammo of a, of, a, of a statement. That's pretty uncompromising, yeah? Pretty uncompromising. Um, yeah, it's, it's Lin Manfu. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the chat. I'm trying to keep on top of it. Do send on your thoughts, by the way. Jermaine saying this is completely releasing all of my frustration. Yeah, it's not really, but it's... Uh, I feel like my frustration is um, is perhaps making the emphasizing where where decisions are just wild like i'm perhaps contracting the understatement in the report yeah uh, lin manfu makes a very good point which is that the clerks are the ones who drafted this by which i mean written it um and then it gets you know the it goes to the committee who then make perhaps kind of check that they're happy with the wording and, and make small edits here and there so um yeah uh the shout out to the clerks this is this is a fair play to all of them uh and i, I think it would be they're not wild they're, they're not wildcat socialists they're not me they're all very level-headed for them to be willing to write this stuff and for the committee to be willing to put their name against it because all of them, including everyone's favourites, uh, Loader and Smith, for them to put their name against this means that it holds a lot of clout. You know, it really does. So, uh, let's let's head to Bradford. Um, one of the cities that stands to lose out as a result of the government's decision to proceed with option one in Northern Paris Rail is Bradford. It's the fifth largest city district in England. It's the youngest city in England. Um, it's a growing city region. It has a huge, huge capacity for growth and development. It's going to be the UK city of culture in 2025. Also, by the way, it's the and I don't think this is a coincidence, frankly. It's the UK's most diverse city by, by a long shot, the country's most diverse city. Uh, despite this, it's been rated as one of the worst connected cities in the UK. A study of train journeys published in 2021 found that in the case of journeys from five British cities, Leeds, Sheffield, Liverpool, Nottingham, Stoke, someone driving to Bradford could keep pace with fast early morning train service by travelling at less than 40 miles an hour. That's a, that's a serious yikes, yes. Anyway, um, so under either of the other two NPR options, the city would have gained a new station, whether on the outskirts, option two, or a new underground station at St James Market, close to the existing Bradford interchange, um, option three. Option three should have been the one that was selected, let's face it. Either would have been served by a completely new high-speed line between Leeds and Manchester. The reduction of the HS2 eastern leg for the time being has also been seen as reducing benefits for Bradford, preventing Bradford from linking with Leeds to have access to fast high-speed rail links to London and Birmingham. Uh, Bradford City Council summarised its reaction to the IRP by saying that the city had been left behind. I said as much in the when I gave evidence. You know, I, I absolutely uh, can kind of buy into that. The government's value for money arguments are partly based on current public transport usage patterns. The DFT told us that according to 2011 census data, only 0.3% of the working population of Bradford works in Manchester, and only 105 people regularly make that journey by train for work. Ah! <laughs> What's the analogy? Did this analogy get used? I can't remember. But um, what I would say... Oh, by the way, you know, Andrew Stevenson said this. Lots of people in Bradford would rather invest in other forms of mass transit... Uh, instead of a fast rail into Manchester, whether it be the new mass transit system, better buses, better cycling routes, or other ways of supporting the city. Uh, bollocks. You do not measure the need for a bridge by how many people swim across a river. Yeah? And that's exactly what is being done there. That's duff science from the DFT. And for the DFT to actually say that, say that in words when asked, would suggest that the people who have said those things uh, are either working to an agenda or are incompetent and should be sacked. Uh, I fear it's the agenda thing. And I, when I say agenda, I don't mean necessarily mean they have a personal malicious agenda. I mean that they are being told what to write.
by people who absolutely do have a malicious agenda and are doing their very best to desperately find some stat that allow, that, that kind of confirms what their moron um, uh, leaders are telling them to say. Oh, anyway. Um, give all the northern cities awesome underground high-speed stations. Yeah, I fully agree, Jamie P. Why, why not? Uh, Simon says, Bradford's actually nice. If it was given good transit and therefore more was more desirable, it'd be a cracking place to live. Bradford's ace. Bradford is ace. I'm going to go to Bradford some, and, and do an episode at some point. It's, there's a bit too much road, dual carriageway road demolition. Uh, there are problems, don't get me wrong. Uh, very kind of car-centric as a city. But it's there's really interesting, gorgeous parts of the city. It's, it's interesting. It's cool. And also, it's very close to a much broader, wider... Uh, kind of mixed suburban and, and rural sort of area as well. The hinterlands of Bradford are large and, and, and interesting and pleasant. Uh, Tom Forrest is about to get quoted here, which is good. Anyway, uh, head of data of the, the ex-ODI leads, what is now Open Innovations, which I'm now an associate at. That's fun. Anyway, more about that later. Oh, so, um, although 27,500 people commute from Bradford to Leeds, three times as many travel by car as by train. Exactly. If you're going to measure that, you should be looking at car journeys. Very good work there. That's the council, by the way. That's Bradford Metropolitan District Council uh, saying that, uh, pointing that, and doing the, doing the hard work that the DFT can't do, which is yet more argument for devolution, by the way. Uh, and in, and probably having had their budget halved, so there we go. Uh, they attributed this to the prohibitively slow train speed between Leeds and Bradford. Uh, we heard the journey times between the cities today are two minutes longer than they were in 1910. A headline benefit of the proposed upgrade and electrification of the existing line between Leeds and Bradford is a non-stop journey time between the two cities, potentially as low as 12 minutes, subject to a business case. We heard some evidence that this may not be achievable, uh, which we examine in more detail in Chapter 4. Hello, by me. Um, Bradford Council expressed a concern, however, that years of disruption resulting from line upgrades to achieve these these cuts, as opposed to building a new line, would only exacerbate the problem in the meantime as travellers sought to avoid the inconvenience of changing between coaches and trains. A study by Tom Forth at uh, ODI Leeds... Uh, open innovations actually anyway uh, indicates the potential bradford may have had to grow its public transport usage under uh, sorry indicates the potential bradford have ha- uh, may have had to grow its potential its public transport usage under the other npr options public transport is currently accessible within 1 hour to only uh, 1.2 million people in bradford under npr options 2 or 3 public transport could have been available to more than 2.7 million people now why do they have this? It's because I sent them this reference pack. I included these in the reference pack. Do, 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 do. Here. Here we are. Tom Forth, Open Innovations. And you can see the opportunities afforded uh, left today, so that's today, and right with NPR, not accounting for release capacity benefits. So it's just looking at accessibility by public transport in terms of timings. You can see the expansion that you get. And then if you look at um, uh, the bottom one here, accessibility by public transport from Bradford to NPR was built as originally planned, not accounted for release capacity benefits. You can see the sort of uh, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour, two hours, three hours. And that's kind of the same graphic really as the one above, but it's just sort of um, showing a bit more closely how much that difference would make. So, you know, this is this is major benefits to Bradford had NPR been built as, 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 um, as envisaged. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, it's just it's just wild, absolutely wild what's going on here. Uh, yes, so uh, let's continue. Uh, yeah, so witnesses told us that the potential to unlock Bradford is huge. A mainline connection for Bradford could create access to nearly 7 million. Uh, Liverpool is 7 million people and potentially uh, 1.5 million jobs. Uh, preferred NPR options, Bradford could have gained an additional 2.6 billion in GVA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracy Braben said... Um, not having a through train in Bradford misses out on a £30 billion boost to our economy. Uh, we heard Bradford describes the middle child that continually misses out on opportunities compared to Leeds and Manchester and that to effectively level up the north, all, th- all three cities must prosper together. Absolutely. 
Uh, that graphic, the, the Tom's graphic here, shows that Bradford's kind of in the middle of these two. Uh, if you kind of in the middle of the of the overall, if you like, Bradford could be the hub overall of the of that kind of Transpennine area. If you look at York, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, and kind of down to Hull and up to Scarborough, and then towards kind of the, Bradford sits pretty neatly in amongst the middle of it all. Um, opportunity missed. Anyway, let's read what the IRP have to say here, shall we? Um, uh, yeah, Jamie P saying, uh, I wonder why Bradford might be car oriented. Oh, wait. Yeah, exactly. Dave is saying, uh, could the HS2 TBMs be recycled repurposed? Uh, to, to, that doesn't make any difference, really. Uh, the cost of the physical TBM is not the main cost of doing the work. Um, uh, yeah. Interesting question, though. Um, let's have a look. So, uh, do, 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 do. yeah, if, it, basically, if TBMs can keep, you can keep using TBMs if you're keeping using them. As soon as they're sat not being used, because they require a huge amount of lubrication, they basically turn into a pile of rust that has to be cut up. Anyway, right. Paragraph 40. Uh, it's bold text, which means it's time to do uh, Transport Select Committee voice. I can't do a, a Hugh Merriman. He's kind of got fairly... And I don't mean this in, as an insult, Hugh. I just mean that you've got a fairly kind of um, received pronunciation English with, with a slightly softened sort of south of the M25 type accent. Uh, I, I can't do it very accurately. Uh, all I'd be doing is, take, is is kind of removing my Scottish accent and speaking, so I'm not going to. Anyway, the potential Bradford as an engine room of the Northern Powerhouse may be squandered if it is not given opportunities to thrive through better connectivity. Direct high-speed connections would give the city access to a much broader pool of labour as well as allowing other cities to benefit from the talent and potential of its own residents. Leaving such a large and dynamic city behind would undermine the project of levelling up the country. Better public transport is essential to encouraging modal shift, and the attendant decarbonisation gains would be significant across such a large population. Wowza. I mean, these are big. This is big, big swinging stuff. The government is making a circular argument by pointing to current patterns of public transport use as justification for decisions about future infrastructure. Wowza. I hadn't actually read that bit. That's a, that's a proper punch. That's basically like saying that you that you you're like uh, like circular reference in Excel. I'll just read that again. The government is making a circular argument by pointing to current patterns of public transport use as justification for decisions about future infrastructure. This it's worth saying. This report and and sentences like that. I mean, firstly, they make the ca the cases I've been making for a very long time. Uh, I mean, not that long, relatively speaking. I'm only little, and I've only been I've only had a platform for a few years. But as long as I've had a platform, I've been making this case, which is you cannot justify future public transport decisions and funding decisions about public transport off the back of current ridership. It's illogical. You have to look at the overall picture of transport. You have to look at how everyone travels and go. Well, right, okay. Currently, fifty percent, sixty percent. In the case of Bradford, probably like eighty or ninety percent of journeys are by car. If we want to drive modal shift, then we need to we need to build infrastructure that can accommodate a substantial percentage of that. You cannot look at uh, the, the existing numbers and build your infrastructure to fit those. It's just wild. Uh, you have to look at the big picture of all transport, uh, which the DFT, that's that should be basically the DFT's singular job. And it's the singular thing they refuse to ever do. Wild. Absolutely wild stuff, folks. Anyway, let's read. The, let's keep reading because we haven't finished yet. Um so we've just got that's their circular argument sentence. Services must be in place consistently for people to use them. Absolutely. So, italics. 
This means as a recommendation. A full assessment of the levelling up impact of the various NPR and HS2 Eastern Lake options does not appear to have been carried out to date. Wowzer. The government must ensure that the impact of NPR decisions on Bradford in particular is robustly assessed, including producing BCR analyses for all NPR options. This is consistent with the spirit of commitments previously made by the Prime Minister to investigate all the options for Northern Pass Rail and to allow the lead on what comes next to be taken locally. Yeah, absolutely. Oof, there we are. Cutting stuff. Uh, it is extremely critical. This is an extremely critical report of the IRP, by the way. This is the same as basically torching the thing. I, honestly, this is vicious for a for a select committee made up primarily of you know chiefly of uh, conservative MPs. This is this is cutting stuff, right? Oh, the case for the HS2 Eastern Lake to Leeds. There we go. So uh, yeah, Leeds key hub. Blah 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 blah. Um, fine, 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 fine. Um, let's see. Uh, Leeds also secured a number of high-profile inward investments. You know, headquarters of Channel Four, UK Invest Infrastructure Bank, uh, the DFT's own Northern Hub office. Da 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 da. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Leeds has a large Leeds just Leeds has a larger economy than Wales. Just as a bit. Sorry, Gareth Williams and all the Welsh she's watching, but Leeds has an enormous economy, and it's not achieving its full potential. Um, I don't know who the chair has declared for, actually. It's a very good point. I don't know who has who uh, actually declared for. Uh, who knows? Um, someone find that. Dave, Google it. Find it out. Uh, anyway, right. The lead station will be a central point for the work being brought forward under the IRP, both the Corner of the Pass rail route, um, uh, so including, the, it's slightly confusing here, including the transparent route upgrade from Liverpool to York. So it's kind of mm, mixture of bits and pieces. And the East Coast mainline will pass through uh, ish. I think, yeah, okay. So they're, they're kind of making the point that Leeds kind of acts as a bit of a pivot on both. Under the NPR options preferred by Transport for the North, an entirely new build high-speed line would have been built between Leeds and Manchester instead. Absolutely. Original plans da, 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 uh, for HS2B... Um, da, da, da. Original plans had the line run from Birmingham up to Leeds and stopping just below York. Uh, under the IRP, this leg will, uh, for now, only be built as far as East Midlands hub. I love that they're putting for now. Ho, ho, ho. Um, near Nottingham, the integrated rail plan provides 100 million for three pieces of work, starting work on a new West Yorkshire mass transit system, understanding the best solution for Leeds station capacity, and looking at options for how best to take HS2 services to Leeds, which they put in inverted commas. I love that. That's 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 catty, catty, messy stuff there. Lovely. Uh, in the future, the government will continue to safeguard land that would have been needed for HS2 Phase 2B East. It's going to get built, folks. But it's just more blight. So for the people who I fundamentally disagree with about um, the who don't want. Uh, the Eastern Lake to be built because it affects their homes. What I think is fair enough is that it's awful for them. This is worse for them because they've got yet more lack of lack of knowledge, lack of awareness, lack of being informed of what's going to happen. More uncertainty and more blight for them without them being able to actually leave their, you know, move on with their lives and, and get on with things. So you know, for those people, Mexborough comes to mind. Really not nice, not nice at all. Zero thought put to them, other than the potential they might vote Tory on the back of a potential th threat of uh, HS2 being taken entirely away from, from the area. Uh, Tracy Brabham's told us that she found the changes to HS2 plans and the choice of um, of NPR option frustrating and disappointing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, so, pretty savage. 
So what's going to be said here? Uh, we welcome the government's pledge to look at how the eastern leg of HS2 might be constructed in full to Leeds as originally planned. Nice wording. The city is a key focal point, not only of existing rail networks, but of economic value and potential in the north. The government must conduct its study on how best to take HS2 to Leeds urgently. We ask that a timetable for this work, including a firm date for the final report, be published by September 2022. Clock's ticking. This is essential for demonstrating that the commitment made to Leeds for high-speed connections will be fulfilled. Oof. So, um, stations and cities. I'm going to kind of flick through this bit fairly quickly, but it's talking about Leeds Station, kind of going through Leeds Station. They pick some of the detail. They go into the, the level of... Um, of kind of uh, the, the massive growth at Leeds Station, the congestion, the number of journeys, um, you know, the limitations on capacity. Um, da, 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 da. So I think my first appearance is down at the bottom here. Yeah, here we are. Right, let's let's see. So, uh, bu, 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 bu. Leeds has only one city centre station, which is built on a Victorian viaduct over the railway and canal at the heart of the city. This uh, the site is very constrained, being surrounded by numerous existing and proposed high density developments, as well as a as well as substantial tracts of land amounted to 700 football pitches, which have been safeguarded since 2017 for delivery of HS2. This makes it difficult to pursue expansion as a solution to the capacity issues at the station. Gareth Dennis, a rail engineer and a rail engineer and lecturer, that's me. Hi, uh, told us that the existing platforms are already pretty squeezed in. Nailed it. Knocked it out of the park. Um, yeah, there we go. That's that's my sophisticated input. I think I think I say more. Do I say more? Uh, da, 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 da. Do I say? Any? I don't know. That's 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 fine. Oh yeah, here we go. It's more. Da, 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 blah, 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 blah. So they talk about the fact that originally there was going to be some like distant thing. Then the T platform, the T shaped extension was proposed. HS two platforms on a north south alignment. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Gareth Dennis explained that the T-shaped connection is critical to enabling long-distance services to be separated on new platforms, allowing for more local and regional services to have adequate platform space without increasing congestion. There we go. That's what I said. Uh, ish. Uh, although land is still safeguarded for the T, um, it is unclear what will now happen to Leeds Station under the IRP. The government is committed to understand blah, 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 all the, the yakety yak that the government is committed to that we know is just empty words. Um, right, in bold. The redevelopment of Leeds Station is key to fully realising the benefits of the integrated rail plan on the economy and connectivity in Leeds and West Yorkshire and more widely. Already over capacity in its current configuration, Leeds Station will not be able to handle the increased services and passengers generated by the IRP, and this will continue to have knock-on effects elsewhere in the network. We are also conscious of the economic potential of the huge amount of land that cannot be used until a decision is made about HS2 services to Leeds. We ask the government to commit to supporting redevelopment of Leeds Station by 2035 so that it has sufficient capacity to accommodate services planned under the IRP, including HS2 trains arriving in Leeds. There we go. And then we're going to go on to Bradford Interchange. Um, so Bradford Council have been planning for a new station in the city under transport for the North's preferred NPR options. <clears throat> the St. James's Market site have been identified as one that would avoid a number of problems inherent in the current Bradford Interchange station. Uh, yeah, Interchange is currently heavily constrained from a rail perspective with steep gradients, tight curves. It's also a turn-back station. Yeah, it's rubbish. The two, both the, the, the Bradford stations are rubbish at the moment. Uh, imposes journey uh, and operational penalties. Yada, 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 fine. Um... A station at St. James's Market would be much less disruptive to construct to be a through station allowing NPR and Calder Valley rail services to share platforms, speeding up the latter, and, with adequate planning, could be well integrated into the current bus and future mass transit network. Yeah, lovely. Proposed locations 200-ish to 250 metres further away from the city centre, uh, but the West Yorkshire Combined Authority argue that this is still very accessible, as well as being key... I mean, bearing in mind, that's, that's the length of a train. A train is 200 metres. You know, these trains will be 200 metres. HS2 trains are 400 metres. That's not that far, folks. The government argued in the IRP there is no demonstrable business case for a new underground station in Bradford. Foxtrot Yankee. 
uh, is all I can say to that, uh, frankly. Uh, it pointed out that the site would be separated from the city centre by a major road and said it would be poorly connected to other local rail services and communities such as Keithley and Ilkley. Yeah, it would be if you didn't do the stuff that would integrate it. You don't build these things in isolation. You integrate them into the bigger picture. Oh, anyway, um, the other potential site for a new station in Bradford under the NPR option would have been even further removed from the city centre. Yeah, government has suggested the IRP retains a conveniently located city centre station in Bradford. Yeah, conveniently as in it's cheap. So, uh, yeah, very frustrating. The government should reconsider the case for the development of a new station in Bradford. The development of the St James's Market Station would not only enhance rail connectivity in the north, allowing further investment in the city, but would also provide further opportunity for rail development in Bradford after the core pipeline of IRP upgrades take place. Absolutely. Um, uh, then we're going to go to Manchester. Here we go. Uh, Manchester discussion. We've already talked quite a bit about the underground station. Um, yeah, lots of discussions about the through station. I don't know. Do I say anything else here? No, I don't think I do. I'm just going to read the bold bit about that because I've said quite a lot about the underground station at Manchester, I think, and I've been appearing elsewhere talking about it too. Paragraph 68. Local stakeholders and the government have very different views on the likely merit and cost of the underground station option at Manchester Piccadilly. There are considerable cost and practical challenges to delivering this solution, though we recognise the benefits of a through station and saving land for development. We have heard concerns that there has been a lack of direct engagement and paucity of detail shared about the basis for the government's decision not to opt for an underground station. If the underground station option were to be deemed deliverable, it could unlock uh, significant land value in the city. It would then be reasonable to expect contributions to the cost from local government and local businesses. We recommend that this expectation should form part of a renewed, transparent conversation about the risks and benefits of the underground station option between Transport for Greater Manchester, Manchester City Council and the Department for Transport. Absolutely. Oh, so... A long-standing issue with rail services in the Midlands. We're going on to the Birmingham Stations and Midlands Rail Hub bit. Uh, I'm not going to focus much on this uh, because it's kind of like a bit, you know, Street says, yeah, this is great. Um, it would have been helpful if the RP a bit a bit clearer on the Midlands Rail Hub. Yeah, fine. It's, it's the Midland Rail Hub, fine. Um, it's, it's pretty ambiguous as to whether the RP does or does not commit to it so the the the, the, IRP, the the TSC have said Birmingham stands to benefit from the new HS2 station at Curzon Street and the easing of capacity constraints at New Street by services moving to Moore Street Station one last piece of the public puzzle appears to be the, to be facilitating connections from Moore Street towards Leicester by providing the Eastern Cord we urge the government to commit to this element as part of the review of the Midlands Rail Hub fine so let's go into the delivery capability of the IRP. I know it's ten to eight, but um, you know we might we might go a, a few minutes over. But you know we're, it's important stuff. Hello to all the hundred and ten people watching. Oh, there's a few questions. Oh, let's go big face. Uh, do you want to go big face? I'm very sweaty. I do apologise. Right. Um, if you want to, if you've got a question at me, and then I appear in red, and I can, it's easy for me to spot the questions. Uh, CE183 asks, how much sway will these select committee findings have over the next Tory cabinet? Most likely to be trust at the moment. Uh, limited. Uh, but it does give us a tool to to, to thwack. Um, da, 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 point sixty two is pretty stark. Yes, I'm skipping over the Wikipedia article chat. I'm going to let you. That's not for me to get involved in. Uh, JP is the T. It'll get deleted immediately for lack of notability, folks. Just just warning you. Um, is the T station not a bad idea if you want NPR trains coming to from uh, the northeast? Uh, NPR wouldn't use the T bits. They'd go. They'd use the through element the point is that there are a lot of london-based uh, london-bound trains that currently you sit doing nothing on the on the east-west platforms that's kind of the issue um jack elliott asks do you think birmingham station not being a through station was a good decision it was a bad decision but i can understand that why that was made uh, again it was the lack of foresight of the fact that really hs2 should be an x they should have had the platforms 
allowing through connectivity uh, towards uh, Wales, uh, kind of South Wales and the Southwest. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Let's see. They're not still not sure why Manchester is the only place that has to pay for HS2 itself. Yeah, quite. Manchester station decision one of the worst mistakes in the in the IRP. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, massive mess. Very very uh, short termist. Absolutely. Let's get my miniaturized face back up. So. Ah, yeah, right. Lots of pain. So there, there's lots of stuff here going on about the fact that, okay, uh, it potentially could be considered as a major benefit from the lower price of the IRP package compared to the previous separate plans. Fine. Um, blah, 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 blah. Lots of stuff. This is the IRP stuff that they're saying. Fine. Um, as we point out in our report on major transport infrastructure projects, however, governments repeatedly deliver major transport infrastructure projects that exceed the specified cost and or delivery date. It just is an example already. Um, the, the first estimate for the full network was thirty was was about forty billion. Uh, then it went up. Uh, sorry, then then now the whole thing is about double that, which which is fair enough. Like the the first official uh, budget is was hope, was woefully uh, inadequate. Um, there are lots of reasons for that. Oh, it's me again. Rail engineer lecturer Gareth Dennis posited that given the potential for costs to increase over time, as has happened on previous upgrade projects. Wait, I'm doing me. I'm doing my own voice. It's me. Okay, they're quoting me. There's a potential that we'll be spending uh, as much to deliver the upgrades on the existing network as we will to just build the initial project. The quoted costs for the IRP upgrades to the, uh, to the East Coast mainline, HS2 Eastern Lake and the Midland mainline are provisionally £12.8 billion. Mr. Dennis, that's me, argued that a fourfold increase in expenditure, which is what transpired on the West Coast Modernisation Project, also an upgrade project, would bring the cost not far off the cost of the original Eastern Lake. Although the cost of building the new high-speed one line had also increased over time, that was only by about 20%. Um, Sir Peter Hendy uh, pointed out that upgrading existing track is not all plain sailing. Victorian engineering is magnificent, though some of it was badly designed and badly built. It will take quite a big job to adapt it, in particular to get electric wires through the tunnels and make them suitable for modern container trains, but it is not an inconsiderable job to build a new railway between Manchester and Leeds either. There's my, uh, there's my SPH impersonation. Uh, sorry, SPH. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, stop being anti-union. Long-term projects, blah, blah, blah. Face multitude of potential, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, so, so, so a load of chat there about delivery. And Sir so John Armit comes in saying labour materials and plant are all major issues. Uh, you have to be pressured on salaried labour costs as a result of this work. Yes, yes, yes. Um, supply chain disruptions. Well, this was posited before inflation became absolutely wild. But here we go, you know. Um... Yeah, HS2 requires something like 2% of UK steel capacity, and um, uh, it's not too big a deal, but uh, steel prices have gone up massively, so that really is a big deal now. Um, so, um, oh, James McCarthy. Oh, thanks. Very kind of you to say. Uh, you just found the channel, wished I'd been the one communicating the benefits to HS2 in the first place. Well, yeah, I was, uh, I was at uni then. I was busy. In fact, I wasn't even at uni. I was... Uh, no, no, I was. I was at uni when it got formally announced, yes. Uh, do I think the Newark plan... Jermaine is saying, do I think the Newark plan in the HS2 Eastern Lake DFT report could ever happen? It's No, it's nonsense. It's, it's gibberish. Um, yeah, that's right. Lots of yeah, lots of light metro needed in, in Manchester as well. Yeah, the Met Metrolink is a tram. That's not a replacement for metro. Manchester needs its own proper metro system, as in like an underground system like the London Underground. Manchester deserves one of those, uh, as does Birmingham, as does Leeds. These are high-density cities that should just have proper metros. Anyway... I digress. That's another episode, isn't it? Right, let's read this bit. Completed according to the planned timetable, the IRP should provide enhanced rail services for passengers in the Midlands and the North significantly earlier than previous options. 
It's not actually true if you look at the timeline. But anyway, this does, however, depend on the projects being completed to time, which is difficult to guarantee. The government's presentation of the benefits of the IRP core pipeline in comparison to previous plans should factor in time and cost ranges that reflect the contingency that will realistically be needed for such a large and complex package of work. Fine. Oh, here we go. Oh, look, it's, it's, the, it's the me show. It's me again, because we're talking about journey time improvements this time. Um, there is some concern about how realistic some of these journey time improvements are. Uh, the IRP... Oh, sorry, I should start and start. Um, the IRP... Basically, they say the IRP goes big on journey time improvements. In fact, that's the big thing that it says it does and achieves without needing the new line, which is the whole argument that we've made um, that why, you know, Yes, you could, if you delete it, if you just control a delete all other trains, you could indeed, you know, provide pretty fast services um, uh, on the existing network. That ain't what the railway looks like, though. So, uh, there is some concern, however, about how realistic some of these journey time improvements are. The IRP repeatedly refers to the journey time benefits of increasing speeds on the East Coast mainline to 140 miles an hour. However, Gareth Dennis told us that. Uh, it's me again. The suggestion that the increase in speed to 140 miles an hour will provide the journey time benefits is not accurate. There are very few miles where you can actually increase the speeds from 125 to 140. Those do not offer very good journey time benefits. It's all about the very expensive unpicking of those junctions. I did a more Scottish version of me to make it clear about the me reading the IRP and the me reading me in the IRP. Anyway, yeah, there, there you go. So the whole point, if I'm distracting you with the accent, I, I do apologise, but the, it's just me and I have no fun people to interrupt me. So I've got to interrupt myself to make this work as a functional podcast, don't I? Anyway. Basically, the point is the 140 mile an hour thing is uh, is is not that useful. Um, and actually, what's quite nice is that um, William, Mr. Barter, comes in behind and kind of backs this point up. Leeds Council described claims that an East Coast mainline upgrade could reduce current London to Leeds journey times as not supported by evidence and uh, optimistic. I love the dot 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 optimistic. That's nice. Uh, there's, there's some very nice writing in here. It's very good. Um, uh, yes. So. Oh. Uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Robin Weston writes a very nice little phrase. Robin, this is brilliant. Kudos to you. So, to go fast, concentrate on not going slow. Couldn't put it better myself. Well, we've done the rail network episode on this, haven't we? You know, um, we realised that doing all the slow stuff is how you fix it, and I'll get to that momentarily. So, William Barter, rail consultant, is one of several contributors to our inquiry who consider that this reduced journey time is not credible, except at the expense of stops at intermediate stations. He explained. Uh, okay, right. That's a fairly wordy thing. It goes into the detail. I'm not going to read it out, but, but it, it's on screen, and it's, it's it's classic William Barter detail. You know, there's good detail in there explaining precisely why the claims of the speed increases are just fiction. Um, there we are. A headline benefit: the proposed upgrade in electrification of the existing line between Leeds and Bradford is a non-stop journey time um, between the two cities. Inverted commas, potentially as low as 12 minutes, subject to business case. Right. Uh, current journey times between Leeds and Bradford are approximately 20 minutes. We heard some evidence that cast doubt on the achievability of the 12-minute journeys in practice, however. Gareth then has explained that even a two-minute reduction in journey times could be costly and difficult to realise. Right. Yeah, basically, there's, there's kind of quite a long bit of me explaining this, and I, I don't think I'm going to quote myself here, but essentially what I explain is the fact that it's you know there's, there's physical issues that prevent you know, the physical curvature of the railway um, is, is 60 miles an hour. Um, so it's not just signaling, but yeah, as I say, literally the curvature of the railway. By the fact, there are two railway stations sat between. Um, uh, da da da, Bramley, New Pudgy stations. Uh, best journey time without stopping is about seventeen minutes. 
then I do it. Then then I go further. He explained how further things would need to be achieved. Yeah, yeah. So what I say is, is there's like you don't get those exactly as um, as Robin pointed out there, right? Which is that you don't get those savings from increasing the top speed. They come from incredibly expensive work to increase speeds at, at, at the approaches into Bradford or into Leeds. There's no easy way to fix either. You know, Leeds is an incredibly complicated series of junctions overlaid on top of each other, uh, and it's me. And in the case of Bradford, it would be very difficult to reach those journey time savings without substantial remodelling. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, exactly past me. Uh, Leeds Bradford is a bit more straightforward. Um, the interchange approaches are at least reasonably straightforward. I like me repeating myself. I do that, don't I? Like, I do it in front of a, turn, a select committee, just like I do it on the air. Uh, but Leeds is an incredibly complicated railway area, and tens of millions have already been spent on picking that. There we go. It's true. What's nice is that um, others came in to back me up. Bradford Metropolitan District Council were a little more succinct than I was. They just said that the 12-minute journey time is, is considered impossible to deliver without sacrificing existing services on the line. Yeah, exactly. London Cycle Routes. Uh, oh, that's not London Cycle Routes. That's John Stone. Hi, John. Um, pres <laughs> presumably the speed increase to 140 miles an hour squeezes capacity further on a mixed traffic railway like the East Coast Mainline. Yeah, absolutely. Did I, I can't remember. Did I actually pick that point up? Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, yeah. No, I, don't, I, I did say that in the session, but I don't think they've picked that up necessarily here. But let, let's see what they conclude their section on. 87, journey time reductions. Albeit, uh, sorry, journey time reductions, albeit not to the same degree as promised by previous plans, are a headline benefit of the IRP. Uh, we received detailed evidence that cast doubt on the plausibility of the times achievable under the new plans. We asked the government to publish its full technical appraisals of the feasibility of these reductions so that communities and stakeholders can have confidence that they are achievable in practice. That is, that's like a proper, uh, that, that's that's a proper, yeah, we're, we're calling you bluff on this one. I just realised that it would be good if I, 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 I can, I can, I can do, I don't. I don't have a sound deck because I don't have such things, but I, I can do certain things like this, like... Uh... There we go. Are you saying that I sound like the Scottish chicken from the film Chicken Run? Yeah, yeah, possibly, actually. I do sound like Mac. Thrust! Yeah, quite. Anyway, um, so, uh, there we are. Let's go on to seat capacity because it's the next bit. Uh, tell, tell me if I've missed myself appearing in this, by the way. Uh, yeah, John is watching live for once rather than wait for the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've been getting a bit behind on these. Yeah, it's true. Right, so... Um, blah, 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 blah. Although it's given somewhat less prominence in the government's presentation of the IRP, increases in capacity on key routes is another proposed benefit. The government has said the IRP will increase the number of seats available for passengers on routes across the Midlands and North by allowing more and faster trains to run upgraded lines. Um Capacity between Leeds and Manchester will be more than doubled, blah, blah. We know all this stuff. We also know that it's not true, and it also misses the point. Um, detailed charts are given comparing the seat capacity that had been planned under HS2 to the IRP core pipeline, for example, showing that the latter will increase seat capacity from London to Leeds to 1,500 seats with potential upgrades, raising the capacity to 2,500 seats. This compared to 4,500 seats per hour under HS2 as previously planned. Uh, fine. There's a lot of people here. Uh, TFGM... RDG, even the RDG are getting involved, and they're, they're just hopeless. The RDG are nothing, and they're getting stuck in as well. Cripes. Transport for the North all argue that changes to the HS2 East, Eastern leg will produce suboptimal capacity, however. The trebling of capacity on certain routes described by the government refers mostly to an increase in fast intercity services on the East Coast Main Line and the Midland Main Line. Witnesses told us the promised capacity increases compare unfavourably to what was planned under the original HS2 plans and what was proposed under options 2 or 3 for the North Paris Rail. Action for Yorkshire Transport stated that previous HS2 Phase 2B plans would have provided 
4,500 seats between Leeds and London compared to 2,500 under the RP. TFGM argued that whereas NPR up to two or three would provide up to 12 fast trains per hour, new plans uh, estimate up to eight trains per hour. And IRP plans for routes between Leeds, uh, Manchester and Leeds would represent a significant reduction in capacity. Fine. But we're getting to the important bit. And this comes back to John's specific uh, question, which is um, uh, that 140 miles an hour, uh, as John is implying, uh, Johnston implying uh, there, if you increase the speeds of the fastest trains, you wipe out, you reduce capacity for the slower trains. And I think I will get to that point here in my evidence. Um, number of seats is only one measure of capacity on the network, says the, the, the select committee. Uh, track capacity is also crucial. One of the major benefits of building new high-speed lines is that taking high-speed services onto a separate track frees up the existing track for local and freight services and reduce congestion. That sounds familiar. I've said that before. Uh, yeah, sounds like a guy possibly is making it up as he goes along, but is seems to be right. Self-taught, I point out. No one's taught me that thing about capacity. I just had to work it out for myself when I originally was agnostic about HS2 and then learned that it was actually not a bad idea, and then I learned why it wasn't a bad idea. Anyway, this release capacity is not available when additional services run on existing infrastructure, even when upgraded. Key point. Absolutely key point. This is this is this excellent reference document for all sorts of things, by the way. Um, Messrs. Barclay... Uh, and uh, Walmart would do with reading this thing cover to cover. Um, I doubt they ever will. Furthermore, when different types of service share the same lines, it can present operational challenges that affect reliability. Um, look, Leeds Civic Trust to get involved. Leeds Civic Trust state, the HS2 and NPR were not principally about reducing journey sales, but rather the potential they gave for greater capacity for additional and more reliable rail service to serve the local and regional markets. Oh, yeah, that's my thing. HS2's main benefit's not actually on HS2. Oh, nice. Nice work, Leeds Civic Trust. Thumbs up. In relation to the change of plans for the HS2 Eastern Lake, Gareth Dennis told us that um, there will be less capacity... Oh, it's me. There will be less capacity on those lines for local stations than there is now as a result of what the IRP proposes. Yeah, I did say that. Uh, he explained that the high-speed segregation provided by the original HS2 Eastern Lake would have allowed towns like Belper in Derbyshire or Outwood in West Yorkshire... Shout out to Belper and Outwood Massive. Um, currently very poorly served compared to similar stations, uh, sorry, smaller destinations on lines into London. Oh yeah, that's a key point. Currently very poorly served compared to smaller destinations on lines into London. Uh, to benefit from release capacity on, uh, wait a minute, H2 Eastern Leg would have helped them benefit from the release capacity on their local lines for more services to Derby and Leeds respectively. In order to make sure that faster non-stop trains can run on the same lines, we may end up with fewer local trains. Mr. Dennis argued that it obliterates the chance to enhance regional and local services. I did say that. I did use the word obliterated. And that, uh, there's a bit comments again, it's likely that many intermediate stations will only see a skeleton service to enable this faster, or to enable the faster journey times claimed by the IRP. There we go. Truth, my friends, truth. Uh, from me. Uh, yes, there, that's it. There we go. Anyway, um... Uh, let's have a look at this. Uh, we have we heard evidence that track improvements and increasing the speed of the faster trains on any one route may be insufficient to maximise and may even be detrimental to potential capacity gains for the IRP. The more trains that run at different speeds on the same track, the less likely it is that maximum capacity can be achieved. Indeed. Uh, 137. Who's that? That's Action for Yorkshire Transport for saying that. Very nice. Um, uh, for those just in audio-only form, uh, there, there, there are lots of references in here to the evidence from various people and, and so on. And, and there's, a little, there's little footnotes uh, on each page. It's, it's very nice. It's, it's, it's a neatly laid out bit of, bit of work. On existing lines, uh, freight, local and high-speed trains often share space. And where the lines are two-track, opportunities for fast trains to overtake slower, train one, uh, slower ones are limited. Increasing services on these lines may increase congestion further, leading lead to a reduction in service frequency for local services or limit future increases in such services. Absolutely. Um, 
yes, I, I think my evidence pack somewhat made this case. I mean, if I flip through, you can see that I did lots of lots of like. Firstly, I explained this with with um, some train graphs. I, I lots of stuff about uh, where's my belper and uh, let's let's go down here. Oh yeah, it's further up. Sorry about the changing flicking screens. Yeah, look, look, Shenfield Mars and Outward Belper I used to compare. Actually made an error in this. Belper is just, is just one train an hour, which is why it's so low. Uh, so actually an error in my evidence, but it's fine. This is this is my like personal pack, and, and fine. I think I actually said the error. Yeah, I, I've got, it's an error that I made through this because actually only one train an hour. But anyway, uh, rubbish is the answer. It's, it's rubbish. So it's, you see, I'm making that comparison, but, uh, and, I, and I made the point in the evidence session that um, you know. Belper has a population. It's 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 half the distance from it's it's half the distance from its nearest major urban centre to Shenfield, um, and it's double the population of Shenfield, and yet it has a train service that's only two percent the size of Shenfield. So that was the example that I used to kind of really hammer that point home. Um, so, oh, and then capacity for rail freight. Here we go. Um, there's some there's a, there's a painful quote here from me again uh, where it's said Gareth Dennis told us that under the IRP freight capacity will be reduced on key corridors such as through Doncaster and up towards Leeds ouch where freight will be funneled through the same already electrified lines as fast and local trains indeed that's um, that's an ouchie for everyone there but uh, I think yes that's a that's a that's a whoop and yeah hi, hi Sam look it's a freight bit it's for you um, throughout South and West Yorkshire, he argued the complexity of the rail network makes untangling freight and passenger services especially difficult. Hence, the value of sending a new piece of infrastructure through that to almost cut through it and support releasing capacity. Um, here's Aslef. Aslef getting involved. Aslef expressing concern that any plans which increase speed but not capacity will also have a negative impact on the amount of freight that can be moved by rail through these areas of track. Um, uh, the Rail Freight Group made the same point there, creating new you know, the the the, uh, the IRP. Um, could create new bottlenecks and capacity constraints. Uh, indeed, the RP itself acknowledges that rail capacity is used inefficiently when a wide mix of different services with different speeds, accelerations, and stopping patterns use the same lines over long distances. That's a mic drop, folks, from the Clarks. Very nice. Um, that's the IRP being used to own the IRP there. Very good. Um, uh, Owen O'Neill making a very good point. They also can't go north from Belper to Chesterfield, Sheffield. You have to go down to Derby. Absolutely. Um, so, the IRP promises improved capacity and capability for rail freight. Um, ministers have expressed regret that the IRP focuses on freight for only one of its 160 pages. <laughs> Whoa, there we go. Here's Andrew Stevenson of his own IRP, although, let's face it, Andrew was sidelined for this. There's a lot more that we could have said, particularly with the transparent route upgrade, three tracking and four, four tracking, particularly on sections of the route where there are inclines, in addition to gauge clearance, of course. We'll completely transfer. So, he's kind of saying, oh, there is stuff we're doing, please, sir. Um, anyway. So, fine. But the, the Rail Freight Group commented that even with the investments out in the IRP, the rail network across the, Orc uh, the north of England will remain inherently a two-track piece of Victorian infrastructure. Absolutely. Um, very nice. Uh, Belper's nice, by the way. It's got a lovely cutting. Nightmare to electrify. Um, but uh, Bath has helped that, although we never actually electrified Bath, so uh, F. Right. So, uh, there we go. Electrification, middle and main line. Uh, Transpennine route may also help freight to hit higher speeds. Fine. Uh, but the document also notes that further work will be needed to confirm that the forecast growth can be accommodated on the wider network beyond those corridors reviewed in the IRP. Yes, painful. Um, yes, lots of, lots of pain there. So, let's have a look. This is, uh, this is, this is some more quotes from the, the IRP. Here, uh, sorry, from the TSC here. So, these, these four paragraphs, which I think are quite tasty. Uh, yes, I know it's ten past eight. Sorry, folks. It's not going to be long. We're nearly at the end of it. Don't worry. The government's fixation on journey times as a benefit of the IRP must not overshadow the issue of capacity. Ouch. It seems highly unlikely that an upgraded Victorian line can replicate the capacity increases achievable by building new track. That's another ouch. Uh, 
so here's what they say. The Department for Transport should commission a full independent assessment of the seat and track capacity offered by the IRP compared to the previous plans for HS2 and other options for NPR. This assessment must take into account the future effects on both long distance and local passenger services and freight capacity. Woo-hoo. I've been asking for that sort of thing to exist for a long time and it has yet to ever even come close to existing. That'd be nice. 102. We welcome the government's future of freight plan and the promised work to identify a national freight network. Uh, we look forward to seeing more detail about how modal shift of freight to rail will be achieved through the IRP core pipeline in particular. So that they're like, oh yeah, that's nice, that's nice, to appear balanced. Um, but it's a bit of an underhanded one, because they've said, the Department of Transport should publish a rail freight strategy for the country, setting out key plans, targets and milestones over a 30-year period. This should include a detailed assessment of, that, of how the IRP will achieve greater capacity for and use of rail freight. There we go. Disruption. So here we go. There's lots of stuff here. Talk about disruption. Uh, Ian, they've spelled Ian's name wrong awkwardly. It's Ian with uh, two eyes. But anyway, uh, Ian Doherty um, argued that trying to upgrade a fully operational mainline railway is always riskier than essentially building something new on a clean site. That risk needs to be taken fully into account. Um, there we go. Uh, Andy Burnham talking about the, the upgrading of existing lines being more disruptive uh, than if you have to build an entirely new line between Manchester and Leeds, because then you're not interfering with the existing infrastructure. Absolutely. Um yeah, more discussion here of uh, all sorts of bits and pieces. Yeah, there we go. Lots of discussion. Sorry, sorry, that's all sorts of bits and pieces in the chat that people are keeping on top of. Fine. Um, so we've got uh, lots of concerns about that level of disruption. Uh, Wyka are very uh, uh, unhappy about the, the level of 20, you know, 20 years of potential disruption on the, on the rail network up here. Uh, TFN also being frustrated by this. Um, you know, all this disruption. Um, yeah painful um so uh, there we go da, 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 da. let's see the government has said in its plan that it, that it plans to sequence works across the such that services on the three main routes are not disrupted simultaneously yet yeah, fine uh, the minister has been asked about plans to mitigate disruption on the t- on trans route upgrade in particular um well yeah that that's fine but it's not you know it's not achieving it, it's going to be massive disruption it needs to be delivered anyway frankly but only to turn that line into a metro or, you know, a kind of F-band style um, uh, railway. The minister also referred to the importance of lessons learned through other major projects, of which he has learned none. Let's have a read of the of these kind of um, conclusions here. Rail upgrades disrupt commuters, rail freight, and timetabling. Disruption to existing services caused by upgrades to key rail lines may drive a modal shift from rail to car, which would work against the government's decarbonisation goals. The Department of Transport and Network Rail should set out a timetable for implementing a detailed mitigation strategy. Okay, yada, yada, yeah. Fine. To talk about the disruption. The next bit. The government has put together a strong case for the integrated rail plan, but it is based on a best case scenario which may not come to pass. Cost and time overruns for major infrastructure projects are commonplace and disruption can be extensive and unforeseen. The promised journey time improvements may not be achievable in practice and the decision to replace some plans for new high speed lines with upgrades will limit capacity gains. We urge the government to produce more cautious estimates for the benefits that are realistically achievable under the IRP so that the public and stakeholders across the country, especially in the North and Midlands, can assess the situation, plan ahead for the future, and be sure that the benefits will outweigh the drawbacks. Well, there we go. Wowza. So we've got all these conclusions and recommendations. We've kind of seen all, all of the kind of various recommendations we've seen, right? Um, you know, we've, we've gone through all this. Fine, 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 fine. Lovely job. Um, and we kind of, kind of, we've just read out that last paragraph there. The key thing in here is basically the government, um, actually, you know what I need to do? I need to go in here and just do a quick uh, control F. I'm going to do a control F for re- 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 reverse. There we are. 
no, no. What did this? What was the quote that they said? Actually, wait a minute. Uh, it's on Twitter, and I will find it momentarily. It's an important little moment to, to just search. Uh, there we go. Uh, latest. I'm just finding some stuff. There we go. There we go. Da, 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 da. Um, yes. Um, da, da, da. Yeah. It's, it's basically the fact that. Um, they, 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 they might have to reverse they, there's a decent chance they might have to reverse their their proposal so there we go so the end report kind of it basically a summary of what we've read through uh, we've got the formal minutes uh, here which you can kind of uh, kind of capturing what's been changed and, and altered and blah 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 lovely that's the formal minutes of that particular they did a meeting and they kind of read agreed to it summary agreed to resolve the report uh, be the second report of the committee to the house yeah because they sort of agreed fine that's how it formally becomes a thing lovely Oh, um, and then there's various sessions. Oh, it's me and John and Ian. Uh, spelt name correct, name spelled correctly there. There's Karen uh, as well, who did look like she was appearing in a hostage video. Not because everything she said was was, you know, insightful, but she was definitely uh, hampered a bit by her affiliation with Midlands Connect. Um, yeah, which is interesting. Anyway, very interesting stuff. Lovely. Uh, and then all the published written evidence. Uh, there's one from me, number 20, and I think I chucked one in at the very end as well uh, because I updated mine and, and corrected it, so I think there's another one in there. Anyway, fine. Oh, no, no, I did. Where is it? It's me. It's me, and then it's me again. Yeah, there's mine there. These two here. Um, I updated it. Fine. Uh, they, they, they corrected it. Whatever. Uh, list reports uh, from the committee. They're fine. So this is all their reports doing. So there's one on zero emissions vehicles. There's um, major projects, smart motorways, road pricing, aviation reform, um, yeah, some interesting bits and pieces in there, so it's good stuff. So, that is that. That's the report. Um, oh, I'm very warm and I'm dying, and I also haven't had anything to eat, which is a, a mistake. Uh, I'm gonna have some beans, I think, uh, for dinner, which will be uh, fun. Anyway, that's all that. Uh, chuck your questions in my direction, and I'll pick up questions at the end. But to summarize all of that, how are we gonna summarize it? That, well, there are four uh, takeaways, I think. Uh, I don't know why I made that noise twice. Why did I make that noise twice? That was weird. Anyway. Um, right. Number one, little to no evidence of valid assessment. Number two, not enough focus on whole network capacity. Um, yeah, I'm just adding numbers because I think that'll make life easier. Uh, also going to do this and do this. There we go. Uh, why is that D just there? It's weird that D has just appeared. Is it um, a nod to my dear wife? Maybe it is. Um, that's really strange. Where's that D come from? What's it about? But it's the D for, anyway, reversed. How strange. Cool. Uh, definitely normal ex uh, normal PowerPoint stuff. Uh, number one, little to no evidence of valid assessment. Number two, not enough focus on whole network capacity. Number three, journey time benefits are not achievable. And number four, government could prepare. Actually, I should say should prepare. Government should prepare for cuts to be reversed. There we are. Uh, editing, editing on the fly as ever. Um... So there we go. That's the four. Uh, those are the recommendations. No evidence, not enough focus on capacity, joint time benefits, not, not going to happen, and this lot might all get reversed. Marvellous. Uh, and yes, this is the hashtag rail betrayal, and I think this report very neatly summarises why I consider that word betrayal to be relevant. Um, yes, so... Uh, that's it. It's, that's it. That's right, okay. I, I'm, I'm collecting up your questions. Uh, this is this podcast is available in audio-only format. I don't know how it works. There's lots of me screaming. There's um, limited use of sound effects. Uh, yeah, like, that's fine, you know. Some, some sound effects there for you. Um, and 
Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, audio only fine. Fine. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gav Venice for uh, supporting me to do more of this. Uh, it justifies my time, which I submit quite a lot. It allows me to pay for train tickets to do uh, adventures with Simon Zev Kendler. Um, uh, so, uh, yes, uh, Simon and I went off on adventures to pre-record an episode, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. That'll be fun. Um, PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis. Uh, Chuck Lee's change and abuse. Uh, Gareth Dennis UK slash Discord for the Discord server, which is where this chat that's happening continues at infinitum. And it's a wonderful community that requires very little moderation because everyone's lovely and thoughtful. And it's a, it's a, it's a place where everyone discusses and thinks. Questions after this, by the way, folks. Uh, next week, 100, episode 127. We're going to talk about Avanti and the uh, Rabbit Ears unofficial strikes, which aren't. Uh, yes, it's going to be a news episode because it's a news episode. Yes. Um, yes, there is an audio-only format, James uh, McCarthy, but uh, you miss out on all the fun graphics. So there you go. Oh, let's, let's get big face up, shall we? So, um, hello, it's me with my new earphones that are not quite as invisible thanks to the big volume thing that's there. Also, um, I'm drenched in sweat. <laughs> it's so hot. Oh, my goodness. Questions. There are several questions. Um, what service will the report do, as good as it is? Uh, Raphael Nikolaus asks. Uh, none, really, but it gives us a, a weapon to, to whack government with. It, it, there are some things that it's asking government to, to do that we can say, government, why haven't you done this thing? You know, that's, so that there are some benefits there. Um, it's useful. And also, it, puts to, it, it neatly compacts all of those problems with the IRP into one place, which is quite useful. Uh, James McCarthy, uh, do you hold any hope that a Starmer government would be, would be more sensible about this? No, I don't. And I'm not just saying that because, firstly, I'm not... A, I'm not people occasionally call me, accuse me of being a Corbynista. Go back through my tweets and, and search for my tweets about Corbyn and you will see that's not the case. What I want is, um, I want a, a little bit more radicalism in my socialism and uh, Starmer ain't providing that. Starmer's doing everything he possibly can to avoid doing anything. Uh, and it's not good. But that's another story. Listen to Trash Future for more about that. Anyway, uh, Jermaine, uh, how much of an impact do you think uh, I had on the findings of the report? Well, given that I'm quoted 13 times in it, I think, um, not not too bad, actually. I'm quite pleased at the level to which I've inputted into it. Uh, you know, it's... Um, yeah, well, 13, 13 appearances... There's the there's my leads bit. There's the yeah the bit I talk about leads. There's the bit where I talk about increasing costs. Um, there's the speed increase element. Um, the, the kind of reduction time, the journey time reduction, which is that. There's the the capacity at local stations element. Uh, you know, intermediate stations seeing a skeleton service, etc. Um, less capacity on local lines. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, uh, freight capacity being reduced. Uh, that's the sort of thing. Yeah, there we are. So, um, actually, that's just nine appearances. The other the other things are my... So there's nine appearances in there. That's fine. Um, yeah, uh, that's fine. I think I probably did influence it quite a bit, which is good. Um, uh, Zarf55, any impressions of Simon Jupp? He's your local MP. A couple. He did ask... He did ask a good couple of questions, and in a way, we I don't know what his voting record is, and, and, and you know, yada, yada. I... I, I, I Let's just say he asked a few quite good questions, and we had quite a lot of good discussions. So, so actually, cl clearly a bit of understanding uh, there. Um, I, I, I make your judgments of other things of him, but but a few of the he could sense I was chomping at the bit to answer some uh, what he uh, kind of reasonable questions that he asked. So yeah, um, uh, reasonable. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Jermaine also asked, "Do you think plans for the HS2 station at Toton could ever be restored if the RP was reversed?" Absolutely. Uh, 
do not let anyone tell you that getting rid of Toten is a good idea because what that has done is obliterated capacity and managed to wreck capacity in two stations, Nottingham and Derby. Um, it... It makes the it makes the high speed network an entirely south facing one, so the trains are only going south to London. There is no capacity for high speed connections northwards, so it wrecks the whole point. The Eastern Leg was a north and south both directions system by creating a fan towards London. It's just ah, oh, it makes me so angry. Just so much ignorance about what HS2 uh, was capable of achieving. Um, partly by the fact that HS2 and government had never written it down. There's a reason for that. They, they wanted the project to be easy to um, bin, and oh boy, were they uh, right that they had achieved that. Oh, anyway, I'm very pink, I'm very warm, and I'm short of beans on toast. So, um, uh, everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks for everyone who watched. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you along. Uh, I hope that was okay. I hope that kind of was useful. Uh, it, it, you know, let me know. If, you know, do share these episodes. I, I know that's trying. Everyone on YouTube sort of it says this, but no, honestly, if if you're able to to sort of share um, uh, share these to to wider people to save, kind of me explain it. Share the report. Share the report to your local MP. Uh, share the report to Labour MPs. Send it to the to the to Labour Transport team. Just use that report as much as you can. Cite it. Quote bits of it. Um, make use of it. Um, just just really absolutely hammer that report out as much as you can send it to local news stations phone in and talk about it just make as much noise about that episode that episode so i just read the words episode appearing in the chat make as much noise as you possibly can about that the report um uh, uh victoria uh, amori is here talking about um circular light metro network to replace the huge and inappropriate tram lines at the current hs2 approach alignment to man pick threatens to eradicate um, in my with stealth, yeah, for sure. Victoria, there's there's loads we could chat about about Manchester's sort of general uh, transport issues. Um, anyway, uh, all of you, thanks everyone. Um, I'm gonna wave vigorously and then say cheerio. And um, a last big thanks to the the the, the, the TSC, particularly to the clerks. Uh, you know, big shout out to you, to you folks, um, all of you. But until next time, all I can say is uh, cheerio, cheerio.